Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Sports Today. J.J. Watt has announced that one of the most dominant defensive careers will come to an end after this season. This has been the weirdest season in Carolina Panthers franchise history. And is Tom Brady really that focused? I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. After 12 seasons in the NFL, three defensive player of the year campaigns, five first-team All-Pros. J.J. Watt, one of the greatest defensive players ever, announced on Tuesday he is calling it a career. Joining me now from Locked On Texans, who watched J.J. Watt play at his absolute apex prime, John Hickman from Locked On Texans, joins me now. And John, what is going to be your lasting memory of J.J. Watt? Great question, man. I think my lasting memory of J.J. Watt will be you know, kind of his last message to Deshaun before he walked off the field. Um, we, we wasted one of your good ones. And I think that's uh, that's peak J.J. A teammate, a team player, and truly, you know, during his time here in Houston, the great years, the bad years, truly cared about this franchise, truly wanted this franchise to be a part of something special and historic wanted this franchise to truly compete and we see how the kansas city chiefs are now with patrick mahomes or early on in the 2010s the ravens still getting it done the steelers being candidates for making it to the playoffs the, the, the Bengals, the patriots he really wanted houston to be on top of the league and i, I think that is my last memory of just him truly caring about this franchise i think that's fascinating because we're talking about maybe the greatest defensive player of his generation. Um, and, and if it's not him, it's Aaron Donald, but it's one of those two guys, right? So the, the fact that your, your indelible lasting image of him is going to be a culture thing, I think speaks to his impact on the city of Houston. This is a guy who embraced that city, embraced uh, that community, and has always been someone who puts that community first. How much do you think that is going to uh, allow him to be sort of a, a Houston hero for, for a long time to come. Listen, when I think about a hero, I look at J.J. Watt, and I think J.J. Watt is the NFL's maybe top five or six unlikely heroes of all time. Yeah. When I say that, I look at it and I say, well, unlikely heroes are often forced into these hero roles, usually by circumstances beyond their control. They don't necessarily go seeking adventure or danger. Well, look at J.J. Watt being Houston's unlikely hero – forced into the hero role of being the face of the franchise. This is after Foster, Andre Johnson, Brian Cushman were already Texans. You know, he was forced into that role after the interception in the playoffs. Wasn't necessarily embraced by the city of Houston when drafted, right? I mean, there's a clip going around right now just with fans booing when he was drafted. Right. Wasn't drafted here in Houston. So that's that also fits the criteria because he was at a place that he didn't have no control over, right? Came in didn't necessarily seek the adventure or danger, but put himself in front of the good, in front of the bad, put himself as the true face and franchise and leader of this team. And this is a player that prior to him coming to Houston, this franchise didn't make the playoffs. Prior to him coming to Houston, this franchise had questions at different points during that time frame before his arrival on their defense. 
This was a guy that Houston prioritized their entire franchise around. And I go directly to the 2014 robbed MVP year where you're looking at J.J. Watt, 20 sacks, but he's also running fade routes to score touchdowns. That's right. This is who J.J. Watt was as a Houston Texan. And again, all of that to me, on top of Hurricane Harvey, he is one of the more unlikely NFL heroes that I think we've ever seen. I can look at Tom Brady, you know, where he was drafted and what he did for that franchise. Kurt Warner, supermarket quarterback, right? But then you start looking at J.J. Watt. You may ask yourself, even though he is a first-rounder, his impact on not only a franchise but the very streets of a city. Yeah, man, he is an unlikely hero. And I think everybody here in Houston is proud that he wore that red, white, and blue for the Texans. Stay up to date all year on the Houston Texans by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Texans on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, the Carolina Panthers are in the midst of the weirdest season in franchise history, but we have to look at the cartoonish performance of Luka Doncic. Here's what to look for on Bet Online, your number one spot for all your gambling needs. There are a few bowl games with lines to grab your attention, beginning with the Liberty Bowl. Kansas and Arkansas square off in this one. Bet Online favoring the Razorbacks by two and a half. The Oregon Ducks and North Carolina Tar Heels square off in the Holiday Bowl. Bet Online likes the 15th ranked Ducks by 13. Holiday season, green. Yeah, I can see it. The Texas Tech. Red Raiders are underdogs in the Texas Bowl to Old Miss. Bet online likes Lane Kiffin's team by three and a half. Bet online where the game starts. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. Luka Doncic is just making stuff up now. He became the first player in the history of the NBA to score 60, rebound at least 20, and record a triple-double. He had 10 assists. He, of course, led his team to a win, though it took overtime for the Mavericks to take down the Knicks. I, I, I don't know if I can explain what I just watched. The Dallas Mavericks get the win. Nick Angstead from the Lockdown Mavericks podcast here. Luka Doncic, the first time ever someone goes off for 60 points, 21 rebounds, 10 assists. He's 23 years old. Absolutely insane night from Luka. He was just hitting on... Not even all levels. Only took six threes. Only hit two of them. He was dealing in the pick and roll. They did. The Knicks decided not to double him. It's like the first time all season that a team has decided not to double Luka for the entire game, and he put up 60 points. Also, the Mavericks were down by nine points with like 27 seconds left to go. In instances where a team is up by nine with 27 seconds left to go in the last 20 seasons, Teams are 0 and 13,884 until this Dallas Mavericks team just beat the Knicks. Not Wilt, not Russell, not Shaq, no one. It had never been done. Unbelievable stuff from Luka Doncic. The Cincinnati Bengals got some bad news about their right tackle, Lyle Collins, earlier in the week. An MRI revealed Collins had torn his ACL and MCL in his left leg. This was a pivotal piece in trying to bolster the weakest part of their team from last season. Some have called for the Bengals to get Andrew Whitworth out of retirement and onto the field. Coach Zach Taylor seems to nip that idea in the bud yesterday. <laughs> we got good people in the building that we trust. 
Well, I think our scouting department does a great job of always evaluating our options. And so um, I always trust them if they bring somebody to you and say, hey, take a peek, we'll always do that. But again, we've got guys that we've had in here developing, working in our system that we've got a, a high degree of trust in that, that can help us do the things that we need to do this year. When he was acquired, Russell Wilson said, <laughs> can I do it? Can I even do it? Can I even get through it? He said, Broncos country, let's ride. Now it's about whether or not the Broncos can salvage anything during Russ's tenure. Broncos general manager George Patton believes so. We saw flashes of Russ this year. You know, Russ in, in, Russ even said he didn't play up to his standard. But, um, you know, the first half of the Chargers game, the, the first half of the Raiders game, you know, he finished strong. So you can go through the season that you do see uh, flashes. And he'll be the first one to tell you he didn't play up to his standard, didn't play up to our standard. He needs to be better. Uh, I don't think we made a coaching move based on Russ. You know, that wasn't what it's all about. That's why. That's not why we're getting a new coach to turn around Russ. It's about the entire um, organization. It's about the entire football team. It's just not one player. Uh, it's not whether Russ is fixable or not. Uh, we do believe he is. We do. The LA Lakers found it funny that they were underdogs. We're all laughing on today's show, apparently. On the road against the Orlando Magic, LeBron and company put a whooping on the Magic Tuesday night. The Zany Kamenetsky co-host of Locked on Lakers podcast, and the Lakers win 129-110 over the Magic, snapping a four-game losing streak, and LeBron James led the way with 28 points, but it was a really nice, balanced effort from the Lakers that prevented LeBron from having to carry everything. Five other Lakers in double figures, including Thomas Bryant with 21 points, Troy Brown had 15 off the bench, and Russell Westbrook, his third triple-double as a Laker off the bench, tying Detlef Shrimp for most triple-doubles all time in NBA history off the bench. I have a feeling Russ will be passing that at some point this season, establishing his own record. A lot more to get into, so make sure you are subscribing to Locked on Lakers' YouTube channel and that you make Locked on Lakers your first listen wherever you get your podcasts. And on the ice, the New York Islanders are on some kind of roll and absolutely dominated the Pittsburgh Penguins. The New York Islanders played their most complete game in a while and trounced the Pittsburgh Penguins 5-1. Gil Martin of Locked On Islanders here. This was an outstanding effort. And I think the key to it for the New York Islanders was twofold. Number one, they skated extremely well, never stopped hustling won a lot of those 50-50 puck battles and really controlled the tempo of the game with their skating. And then the other one was they were not afraid to shoot the puck. They didn't give up a lot of chances. And when they got chances, they shot first and took advantage of them. Some goals on rebounds. Just from top to bottom, an outstanding performance by the Islanders. Final score was 5-1, to one, but it wasn't even that close. Two goals for Matthew Barzal, a goal and two assists for Josh Bailey. All the Islanders players coming up big in this one. For more, listen to and watch the Locked On Islanders podcast with me, Gil Martin, wherever you get your podcasts. The Edmonton Oilers faced off against the Calgary Flames in the latest knockdown dragout. Throw the book out when these two teams play battle for Alberta. What's up, everyone? I'm Jess Belmasto from Locked On Flames, and I cannot express how frustrated I am with that third period penalty from Andrew Mangiapane. That is what cost the Flames the game, and you know, you can't look back at things and say, well, if that didn't happen, 
but I can say with the utmost certainty that you can say, the Oilers probably weren't going to score had Manjupani not taking the silly penalty. And of course, you know, Stuart Skinner did look fantastic for Edmonton and the Flames got goalied once again for the season. Biggest enemies of tonight was wasn't the Oilers, it was in fact the post. I don't even know how many times the Flames rang the doorbell, but it was a frustrating, very frustrating time. And of course, you do have to look at that top six. Milan Lucic did absolutely nothing, contributed absolutely nothing to that Huberto and Kadri line. When is that experience going to end? When can we switch Lucicka and Lucic in the lineup? Thank you all, and I will be hanging out with you later today on Locked on Flames. Here is another story you need to know. The Carolina Panthers, stay with me on this. They can win their division if they win out. Yes, these Carolina Panthers, the team that fired their coach just a couple weeks ago. It sure has been a weird year in the NFC South. Looking at the wild ride they've been on ever since the draft, Locked on Panthers host Julian Council sees this as the weirdest year in the history of the Panthers franchise. I honestly look at this year, and this feels like the weirdest Panthers season we've ever had. And I kind of broke it down based off of some of the events. And you go back to the dates. Like, even before the season started, the Carolina Panthers tried to trade for Baker Mayfield on draft night. That didn't work out. They ended up drafting Matt Corral. Even before that, they tried to get Deshaun Watson. He said no. Russell Wilson, thank God, he said no. Sam Darnold was surviving. He looked like he was going to be the starting quarterback even after they drafted Matt Corral and Scott Fitter, the Panthers GM, said he's not in here to really compete. We want to take it slow with Matt Corral, which meant at some point in time, they were going to have to bring in a veteran, and that ended up being Baker Mayfield two days after the 4th of July on the 6th of July. And Baker, coming in, still would not really get the playbook until right before he got to training camp, where then there was a competition, put that in quotes, between him and Sam Darnold. Baker ends up winning that. But then we also see along the way, Matt Corral get injured, Sam Darnold get injured, P.J. Walker, who was supposed to be the odd man out heading to Wofford, he then became the backup, and at a point in time, he was a starting quarterback. Baker was a starter again, but now he's in L.A., played really well this past weekend. He also had to come back in his first game, third day on the job at the Rams. That's how weird this season has been. It's been so weird that there are now multiple stats out there. As, let, me go, let me pull up my phone. There are multiple stats out there about Sam Darnold being one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL since he took over as the starter. Benjamin Solak of the Ringer said that since Sam Darnold took over as a Panther starter, they are second in EPA per play on offense. That's expected points added. Also, Matt Harmon of Yahoo said that Sam Darnold leads the NFL in adjusted yards per attempt since week 12. This is insane to go from Darnold, we don't want you, to Matt Corral, we're going to have to wait, Baker, yes, PJ, maybe. Back to Sam, bearded Darnold versus the world. And we haven't even really gotten to the fact that Matt Rule on October 10th was fired after going 11 and 27. Ed Foley and Phil Snow were also booted at the door. They were basically Matt Rule's henchmen. And Phil Snow being the defensive coordinator, uh, interim head coach now, Steve Wilkes, didn't really need him around. Go away. I have my own philosophy. That makes sense. Then a week later, Robbie Anderson, after getting kicked out of the game by Steve Wilkes in the loss of the Rams, gets traded to Arizona. 
Since then, he's done nothing. Terrace Marshall has emerged. Then late on Thursday night, Christian McCaffrey gets traded to the San Francisco 49ers. I see it late night. I decide I'm not going to see this. I'm going to sleep. I'll do the podcast in the morning. Christian McCaffrey has now gone to San Francisco. I believe the Niners have won eight games in a row. He's having a ball. The Panthers are also in position to be a playoff team. November 7th, Evan Cooper, the uh, secondary coach, and Pascaloni, defensive line coach, were both fired following the embarrassing loss at Cincinnati. A week later, on November 14th, Dante Jackson goes on season-ending IR with an Achilles issue. It was Achilles, right? Um, and in November 27th, assistant defensive line coach Terrence Knight and defensive and assistant strength coach, Roger, oh, excuse me, assistant strength coach Corey Campbell both leave to follow Matt Rule at Nebraska. Oh, yeah, and by the way, on Monday, J.C. Horn was announced to potentially be out for the season, and to replace him, the Carolina Panthers are kicking the tires on Josh Norman. Absolutely insane. Stay up to date all year on the Carolina Panthers by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and the Locked On Panthers podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. Coming up, Tom Brady. He doesn't seem focused these days. The latest NFL rumor puts Tom Brady and Sean Payton together in a team-up as they head to New Orleans to solve all the Saints' problems. As Tony Wiggins talks with James Rapine on Locked On NFL, this raises a key question about Brady. The fact that this leaks out a little bit, it starts to chip away, not really at his greatness, but it makes me wonder about some of the things that I thought about Brady, that he was so myopically for. Uh, focused on things. Well, they said that when he was in New England making a playoff run, he was thinking about other stuff. And then he was with Tampa. He was thinking about going to Miami while they were in the middle of a run. And now they're trying to make the playoffs. And if this is true, then that means that at some point somebody's had a discussion somewhere and it can't just all be speculation that he's now plotting something else. It's one thing to think ahead, but in sports, especially when you give guys like Tom Brady credit for their focus, it's just hard for me to continue to hear about all of these things that point to a lack of focus when it comes to him and not paying attention to what's on his table right in front of him. What is so fascinating about this discussion is Tom Brady, for most of his NFL career and most of his football playing life, got by not on his physical gifts, not on the preternatural ability that he had, but on desire, on heart, on will, on want to, on intelligence, on gumption, on guile, on the need to every single day prove you are better than people said you were. Living on not being the starter at Michigan, not being, forget a first round pick, even a fourth round pick. But now... What does he have to prove? He is already widely considered to be the greatest football player to ever live, even if I don't think he is. Most people think that he is, and I'm sure he hears it plenty. What is there left to prove? In a season where you know you're not going to go win a Super Bowl, what is there to be focused on? This is a guy who is just designed to have this all-encompassing goal in mind. Well, that goal, in all, for all intents and purposes, has been achieved. So what is there to be focused on? Another Super Bowl? Congratulations on adding to what is the most decorated career in NFL history? Is that enough to keep him focused in a season like this? Amid all of the off 
the field turmoil that he's facing, who could blame him for not being focused? Not me. But that raises questions about whether ever again in his career can he be focused in the same way he was laser focused every year on proving everybody wrong, on winning Super Bowls, on beating everyone in his path. Is that still what drives him? And if it's not, is he still really that Tom Brady? Only he can answer that question. And finally, following up on the story we mentioned yesterday, the NFL has rescinded two suspension penalties the day after the NFL suspended Denver Broncos linebacker Randy Gregory and Los Angeles Rams guard Ode Abushi for one game each for trading blows after LA's victory on Sunday. The discipline has been reduced to fines. The NFL announced Tuesday that appeals officers Derek Brooks and James Thrash reduced the discipline to a fine of $50,000 for Gregory and twelve dollars for Abushi. And they say those appeals never work. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up tomorrow, who has the most to lose in this week's slate of NFL games? So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.